Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. On this, yesterday was grief-stricken Monday. Today I'm more angry. Yesterday I was just numb with grief. Today I'm more angry. Back to anger. It's just sickening. Just, you know, you're watching the game last night and we'll get to it anyway. Welcome into Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We're going to be interview heavy in the second hour. So if you would like to get in the 9 o'clock hour, this hour is the time to do it. And again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Nick asked a question at the very end or towards the very end of yesterday's show, and we didn't have time to really get into it, and I don't know what the answer is anyway. But we're going to try to answer and give you a chance, seriously. Like, his question was, I don't really believe they're cheating against the Saints, essentially what he's saying. Now, again, that cheating for some people is a black and white term. For me, it's got many different shades. And we'll talk about some of that. But um, but his answer was, okay, if you – essentially what he said was, if you buy that they're not just cheating against the Saints because they hate the Saints, um, then how do you explain it? Like, how do you explain this constant just bad calls in critical situations – on third down, and they're just made up. Like, they're not even close. Like, it's just made up stuff. So if you have an explanation for this, please let us know, and we'll we'll delve into some of it. Last night kind of gives you hope. It gives me hope and anger at the same time. It's kind of like a we are Marshall situation. And... You know, watching it, I um, thought for sure the Rams would have a medicine season, and I still think the Rams are going to have a medicine season. Um, it just just don't see it. Um, just I don't see it happening for the Rams. So I'm watching. The Rams fell to two and two. The Cheaters are now two and two. And I'm thinking, man, if the Saints could just be two and two, they'd be in great shape. So it gives me more hope that no people aren't running away with things in the NFC race, but it also makes me frustrated because the Saints should be right there with everybody else. It's just um it's um it's um just very, 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 very frustrating. And again, part of it is just awful special teams. Part of it is giving teams games. And part of it is the refs just never seeming to come up with, they just make stuff happen. 
Just, they just make stuff up. It's unbelievable. Baseball. Before we get to the phone lines. Baseball. Interesting scenario brewing. I don't think it's going to happen because I think the Braves will win today. It'll be over with. But who knows? The Braves played yesterday. They got beat four to nothing. So if the Braves lose again today, um, the situation is the Mets got rained out last night. And so they they got a doubleheader scheduled today. And more rain in the forecast. So let's say they get zero or one game in. See, say they only get one game in today and are to get zero games in today. And the Bra- if the Braves win today, then it doesn't matter. The division's over and they probably won't even play all three of the Mets games because they won't matter. But what I'm saying is if the Braves lose and the Bra- and the Mets get zero games in today, it's going to start getting tricky because the the next the, the playoff series starts Friday. And if the Braves win, end up winning this division, then it starts Friday in New York, which I don't know where the, where the rain forecast is going to be for them too. Um, kind of tricky. Could get kind of tricky trying to get all them games in. I wonder if they would consider, like if it really, if the Braves lose again and they don't get the games in, I wonder if they would consider going to like an, a, an alternate site where the weather, just to get the games in. If it keeps raining in New York. The criminal commissioner once sent the Astros because of a hurricane right in the middle of a playoff race towards the end of the season, not this late in the year, but towards and, and sent them to play the Brewer, to play the Cubs in, in Milwaukee. That was real fair. That was real fair. You know, that, that would be like going, sending someone to play LSU for their home game in Gross Tech. I mean, you know, that's, that's real fair. Idiot. They put that idiot in the Hall of Fame. All right. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. I don't think Gross Ted has a stadium. <laughs> uh, hey, the, um, what I question is, how is it fourth and goal, tie game, and you say, you know what? We're just going to go for it. Like late in the game. See, stuff like that, I question. Like, what's that about? Wait, wait, what, what part? Which, who are you talking, talking about? That Ravens and Bills game. Yeah, I, you know, again, I just, I'm a take the points guy almost always. Uh, I think that's, I think that's one. I don't think my defense can stop them. And there's, un, there's, I mean, again, you're facing arguably the best offense in football, so there's some reason to believe that could be true. And two, I think I can get, I can score a touchdown here. And, and like, like, and I understand, and I heard a caller yesterday, I think, you know, he say he's a, say he's a Ravens fan, uh, the guy that calls for the Ravens. Um, I understand in a sense, but he threw a pick. <laughs> you know, that kind of basically, you know, it's a different game now. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, absolutely. So they have the ball at the four or five or whatever they have the ball. Now they have it at the 20, 20, 20, 20 right? Is it still 20 or is it 25? 
20 well it'll it'll be 20 if if you get it on an interception on a kickoff it's 25 yeah okay yeah okay i'm just making sure i just want to make sure that rule is still in place uh but like you said with the same thing it's like the way these games are to me i'm gonna say orchestra the way these games are like the way the ref, to me a referee is basically a maestro in a sense like he like they can just they they change up the pace they change up the tone of the game the mood of the game in a sense like in, like like I said, pivotal moments of the game, just calling Kirk hands to the face. Like what? Like it's, it always happened in pivotal moments, and I'm not just blaming that. I'm not the type just to blame the refs, but at the same time, I, I think it's time to like you know just equipment or whatever hitting the player. I want to hear, you know, like like that ref. What's that? Uh, I, I can't that ref. Boger. One of the yes. worst. <laughs> that referee is one of the worst. How, hey man, what's going on? This this dude to me is is bought. Someone has bought this dude. That, that dude that, that dude stay. He's one of the, he, he stay. He's consistently always calling bad games. And he always get he's he still ref. Well, again, his call his controversial call over the weekend was a roughing call, roughing the quarterback call, which, again, most of us have had problem with roughing the quarterback calls for, what, 15 to 20 years now. I think a roughing the quarterback call is a little more – some of them are just awful. But it's a little more forgivable than what we were talking about with the Saints game where they just making up call has nothing to do with the quarterback because the quarterback thing's a whole safety deal, and they go way too far with that. They go – you know, silliness. They they uh, go to the I, part I, of I, silliness with that. But but it depends on it depends on the moment of the game, who's the quarterback. And that's that's what that that's all about. I, I don't I don't know if teams I'm sure teams are telling uh referees, hey, watch out for this, watch out for that. You know, they tend to they tend to do this, you know, this team tend to bend the rules a little bit. Uh maybe I don't know the Saints have a reputation of doing that. I don't know. But uh it was nice to get some uh, pressure from the defense this weekend. Um, yes. I said, Dalton played a good game. I, I give credit to Dalton coming in there. Um, but, sure again, uh, Gino can run. Uh, you know, I, I think um, it, it, Gino can run. It, he, 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 he's making plays. No one's talking about that. Yeah. I he, know it's early. Yes. No, he's you know, doing a good I think job. James can learn from something like that because I heard what I heard from like people who follow the Seahawks. It's a lot of short passes. Yes. Take advantage, man. Take advantage of that. You know. Yeah. But it is. It is. But I think the Saints going to win this week. Well, I sure hope I so. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. Good morning. It's not, oh, but go oh. ahead. Well, it's as good as you want it to be, but I understand if it's not the greatest for you, especially with Murray going to your Broncos. Well, but, uh, you know, I've been I've been trying to keep Murray for about 16, 17 months now, and y'all been telling me how good Tony Jones is, so I'm still waiting to see it. I'm surprised they exposed him, to be honest, which is well, as good as he looked fresh. You know, and, and you got Washington and Jones, who I think I'd rather have Murray over, but uh, – the fact that management chose to let him get exposed, especially with four running backs getting hurt this week, I thought was a mistake, and the Broncos pounced on him. So, 
but uh, I was more. I missed the last year. I'm on my phone, so I can't hear the uh, conversation, and I'm hope I'm not repeating myself. But it's getting back to what your conversation yesterday was about penalties. And to the ref's credit or defense, not credit, the type of defense we play lends itself to potential penalties. We're not sitting back in zone and letting people come to us. We're very man-man, which is a very handsy defense. So it's open to scrutiny from the get-go. But that being said, we had 10 penalties for 105 yards. And most importantly, which was the point you made yesterday, five of those 10 penalties resulted in first downs on third down. And those are the killers. Yes. I mean, a few times we had them third and long and some little illegal contact penalty gets you only five yards, but it's a first down. And like you said, that could almost be considered a turnover. It is a turnover. You know, so, and we, we in turn either had three or five penalties. I can't remember if it was three or five, but it was for like 35 yards. Not a single offensive holding call against the Vikings. Well, we already Not know one. the opposing Saints offensive lines are going to be in the Hall of Fame. We're just trying to figure out, you know, who's going to deliver the speech. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, it, 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 and that's the frustrating part, and that's where people have trouble stomaching a loss because it does feel like if the two teams were allowed to just play each other, those two teams probably split 50-50. But it's it's almost impossible to beat sixteen people against eleven, and it's it's the timing. And one of the commentators even said, "This is where I think we ought to go to the college rule: a forty-one yard penalty on a subjective call is just simply foolish." And, and when you are, when NFL. you allow and when you're fine with that happening, that means you're okay with cheating and you have and you have no sense of fairness. Fairness is not on your list of priorities. And people can spin it however they want. The NFL is fine with teams being cheated. They are perfectly fine with teams unfair competition and all teams not being treated the same or else you wouldn't even have those rules. Oh, I'm not going to argue that with you. It's small market teams, especially, you know, they and and for some reason, it's this team's got this little cloud hanging over it, like Charlie Brown, and it just it it may be imaginary because we're fans of the team and we put everything in our little bubble, but it sure seems like we just look. Other teams get cheated too. Look, other teams get cheated too. I'm not. I never thought that only the Saints get cheated, but it's just it. it th- this idea that it evens out is just a lie. It's just again. It's it it, it it's like saying you know you know it, it it it's it's something that people say that sounds good that allows them to feel better about themselves so they don't have to address the issue. I think that's the key, and that. And all I can think of with this concussion thing is now you see they finally got their 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 butt in the corner, and now they're addressing all this concussion stuff because they look like a bunch of fools. That's what it takes for them to do anything. But if they didn't make changes after the call that kept the Saints out of the Super Bowl against the Rams, that's the most egregious 
mistake that they can make and they didn't address anything with that, they're never going to. And I think you said it best. They simply just don't care. They don't, they care. don't care. The NFL is perfectly fine with cheating. They do not care. As long as they keep getting They haven't paid, cared forever. I mean, I've been complaining about this forever. you got to come up with a system to, to ensure fairness, and they don't care. I, I, I have to agree with you on that foot. It sure seems that way, at least the Saints fans. Uh, it absolutely, it absolutely really is true. This is how petty I am. I really thought Sean Payton retiring would lift some of that. I was hoping. I mean, and again, maybe they like need to the tell game. them at the beginning of the game when the coaches talk to the officials, say, look, catch, I'm not Sean Payton. He's gone. Like, let, let, let's move on with life. Doesn't seem like. Unbelievable. Thanks for the call. One and one and three. We just got to regroup and try and get back to three and three. Seems like we do this every year. I'm just, I'm so sick of it. I just can't take it anymore. Thanks, Joey. Appreciate the call. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. More open phone lines. If you can offer any more, certainly on this subject or any other subject you'd want to talk about. That's on the agenda. Certainly feel free to do it. We'll be back after this timeout on the game. How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you it's time to kill two birds with one stone, help a good cause, and do some early early holiday shopping. Tonight, the Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club auction will be held on KDCG, channel 50.2 on the air, Cox 9, Charter 11, LUS 22. The auction begins at 6 p.m., Viewers can bid on all kinds of items from gift cards to vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, and much, much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes, and items can be purchased for pennies on the dollar. So make sure you tune in tonight, starting at 6 o'clock, to the Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club Auction on KDCG. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Let's go back to the hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Hello. Hey, uh, rough game another day, man. Uh, I heard an interview yesterday with Patrick Peterson, uh, and they asked him about how – the, uh, the 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 uh, flags were thrown in the game, you know about the penalties and this and that, because I uh, I think the Vikings didn't get no defensive penalties. I'm not sure on that though. But they asked him why the Saints get so many pass interference calls, and I'm gonna try to say you know what he said. But uh, Saints play a lot of man to man, 
I don't know their defense. Do they play a lot of man-to-man? They do. Kevin? They do. Okay. So he said that the Saints play a lot of man-to-man, physical type of with the defensive backs and stuff. And basically he said that the Vikings play a lot of zone, you know, not that physical with the guy coming off the line or whatever, you know, stuff like that. But it was a real good interview. You know, he explained it better than I can. You know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, I just thought that would help you a little bit, you know. It was the guy's name was Dan Barrero. He's a radio guy like you. And uh, pretty good interview. But anyway, tough game, you know. That's the way the ball bounces. That's for sure. But well, anyway. All right. So Thank you for the call. Up. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, all right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello? Footsie. Yes, sir. Footsie, why are you on my boy, John Harbaugh? I'm not on him. I just, I just, I wouldn't have done it that way. I mean, I understand why he did. The South Alabama coach did essentially the same thing, just not quite as late in the game uh, on Saturday. I, I, but but I, I would not. I'm a take the points guy almost, not every time, but almost every time. So I, I don't agree with him, but I understand what he did. Well, here, here, here's, what, here's what the strategy was. They're on the two-yard line. Here's where, the play, here's where the thing went wrong. The play call was terrible. They put Lamar, they just dropped Lamar back. You know, had they ran a play where Lamar could have a RPO on one, one edge of the field, that would have been different. He didn't expect Lamar to throw an interception in the end zone. Well, no. And then, and then they would have had, the Bills would have had to go 98 yards, and he thought his defense could hold. So that, that, that was his thought process. It just, hey. Sometimes your quarterback screws up. So, but I, I am going to say this, and I don't know if Coach Kyle agrees with me, but I think it might be time for Harbaugh to go. He's been there 14 years. The the Ravens just don't seem to. They lost their last five home games. Uh, I mean, it, it may be time for a new boss. You know what I'm saying? After, after so many years. It just hasn't been the same the last couple of years with the Ravens. It's just so hard to judge, though, because last year they were so decimated by injuries, very similar to the Saints. Probably statistically not quite as bad, but very close. And it's hard to judge a year like that. And, and again, we're still just getting out of preseason mode right now. So, I look, if they're still playing this kind of defense, although i got to tell you, holding, holding the Bills to 23 points, if you'd have told me going in, I'd have said you win. Well, and I, I put you, I'm going to say something about the Saints. It feels like it's the 70s all over again, except I'm not 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. I don't recover as fast as I once did. Yeah. You know, so they, these losses are starting just to be – it's taking me days and days to recover from this. Oh, I mean, right. you re, you realize the punch in the gut I got on Sunday? There, there's Lutz, he hits the crossbar, then he, I mean, he hits the upright, then he hits the crossbar, and then it bounces, of course, the wrong way. Then the, the then the Ravens, you know. No, it was awful. Somebody, and, you know, they had a phantom. The Ravens got got a bad call, too. They had a phantom roughing the passer call. I mean, wasn't a good Sunday for me. No. Awful. So, yeah, but anyway, footsie. I just wanted to chime in and protect my boy Harbaugh, but like I said, it might be time for him to move on. I'll take him. 
<laughs> All right, but All right. Uh, at least at least we got the Astros. I mean, but they need to start hitting the ball. I mean, uh, what's McCall had a six. Nola had six, and he went six and two thirds. Perfect game. I mean, come on, man. Let's look, start hitting the baseball. Uh, look, Jules called yesterday, and he said, uh, "Squidward," as I call him, and, 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 and he said. You know, the Astros, the Braves, and the Dodgers can hit. I'm like, oh, no, I wouldn't put the Astros with the Braves and the Dodgers. Astros can't hit like those teams. The Astros have struggled to hit all year long. I mean, they are they have struggled. Now, in September, they've hit the ball pretty well. But but prior to that, they haven't hit the ball season. They, they're nowhere near to what they normally are offensively. So we just got to hope they hit at the right time. We'll see. Yep. All right, Putsy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Again, it, it – I know everyone struggles. It's like a, I don't know, what is that word? I don't know what the term for that called. It's like a, um, that's like a certain word that you just can't say because then everyone just freaks out and they lose their mind and they can't think. So if you say cheat, then everyone automatically goes to like, um, you know, Watergate or some, it's got to be some deep, dark, secret CIA conspiracy. No. See, because cheating is cheating to me. Now, you, you, I know we're in a PC world. You know, I, I've told the old story before on, on the uh, Ken Burns baseball tape, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but there was a, there was a rook, young pitcher. He was pitching to Rogers Hornsby, and he threw a ball, and he, thought, he threw a pitch, I should say, and he thought it was a strike, and the umpire called it a ball. And then he threw another pitch, and he thought it was a strike, and the umpire called it a ball. Well, he started arguing with the umpire, and the umpire said, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, young man, when you throw a strike, Mr. Hornsby will let you know. So what does that mean? That means the umpire was cheating. You see, what, what, what I've, been, I, I, I've heard for years, and again, I, I heard it again last, over the weekend. Or was it the end of last week? Albert Pujols was up. He got a call on a on a borderline pitch. And what did the announcer, who was an ex-player, say? Well, you know Albert's going to get that call. What is that? It's cheating. See, you can call that whatever you want. See, but I but it is what it is is cheating. You know, I've always said if I'll, if if Tony Gwynn doesn't get treated the same by the home plate umpire as Casey Kandel, because he's Tony Gwynn and he's Casey Kandel, it's cheating. You can call it what you want. You can be you can be part of the problem all you want. It's cheating. Here, I, I I hear this comment all the time in basketball. Well, yeah, but you know you're not going to get that call on the road. What is that? If there's any truth to that, what is that? It's cheating. What what does it matter if you're at home or the road? What does it matter? Why why does that matter? I thought the I thought see I I, I struggle with the, with these comments that I hear over and over, like if there if there's any truth to it, it's called cheating. Now, the kind of cheat in Major League Baseball, 
Um, do you really believe that the Yankees and the Red Sox get treated equally the same as the Diamondbacks and the Astros and the Rays and the, you know, the, the uh, Seattle, the, the the smaller market teams that aren't part of the national fan base? Do you really believe that? No, it's not true. You, do you honestly believe when if a complaint comes to the front office of the NBA and it comes from the Lakers or whoever team LeBron's playing on or the or the Celtics that it gets tr- it's going to get taken the same as if the Orlando Magic call and complain? They don't care about the Orlando Magic, and you can call that whatever you want. What I call it is cheating because it's not fair. It's not fair. Now, what happens, again, in the NFL, I don't really believe, and I'm sure it's happened, but I don't really believe that the official says that these officials hate the Saints and so they're making calls. At least I hope that's not the case. I don't really think that. What I really think is the NFL, when you have a system that doesn't provide safeguards for cheating or for bad calls where teams get cheated, then you're okay with cheating. And so it's just going to keep happening over and over again, and you don't care because, because all of you who keep saying, it's just like Joey was talking about when he called earlier. All of you that keep saying, well, it happens to all teams. So what's the inference there? That everything's fair and everyone, no, it's not fair. Stop. Again, if you think that, you're either, you either don't want to believe it and you want to put your head in the sand or you're just lying to yourself. I mean, it, it, you're, it's just a lie. You're wrong. I mean, it's a free country. You can have a bad opinion, but it, that opinion is wrong. It is not fair. It does not equal out. It does happen here and there to all teams. But if it happens once to this team and 10 times to this team, that ain't fair. That doesn't fall under the it happens to all teams umbrella. No, that, that it might. I'm sure at some point every team gets bad calls. Yes, but it doesn't if it doesn't happen equally. Again, I did a 10-year t- study on um, a year or two ago. Went back all the teams for 10 years. Uh, how many first downs you get by penalty and how many op- does your opponents get? And it wasn't even close. You had three or four teams on way on this side of the spectrum and three or four way on this side of the spectrum. Not even close. And so it, this idea that it evens out and it happens, that is just a lie. You can go on and keep lying to yourself all you want, but that's what you're doing. You're lying to yourself. And again, they just, they just, they don't care. Fairness is not part of their deal. They do not care if they cheat teams because they, they've got a bunch of lackeys out there who, 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 Throw out this officials don't decide game, which is the big, uh, even a bigger lie. I mean, that's just that's just being that's coming up. That's adding two plus two and coming up with sixty three. I mean, that's not even close to the truth. If you don't believe officials decide games, and you're not even trying to search for the truth, you're just living in la la land. That's Santa Claus stuff. I mean, that's just complete la la land junk. So if you believe that, then you're part of the problem. 
because they don't need to they don't need to come up with a system to be fair because of you and everyone that believes like you. That's wrong. You you it, it's like an alcoholic. You have to get past the denial stage. It, it, if you believe that it all equals out and officials don't decide games, you are the equivalent in this issue of an alcoholic who doesn't believe he has a drinking problem. That's what you are in an analogy. That's what you are because you're, you're just avoiding the issue. You're just in denial. And because there are so many around this country that are in that denial, the NFL, there is no incentive to change it. There is none. They just going to continue. Why come up with a system to, to be fair? I'm making all this money, and I got all these idiots out there who think that it's that officials don't decide games, and they've convinced themselves of that. So why do, they're in denial. We're good. Why change it? Why try to make it fair? There are ways to make it fair. They don't want to do it. They don't want to be fair. They don't care about being fair. They just don't care. And, and, and until more people get out of the denial stage and realize that we have a drinking problem here, it's never going to be solved. And everyone who says it, you might be playing a small part on it, but you're part of the problem. You got to admit there's a problem before you address it. But y'all just keep on. It's okay. It all evens out. Don't worry. It all evens out. What a lie. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the 13th gate if you would like to win tickets to one of the top haunted house attractions in the country, the 13th Gate. You simply need to text GATE to 337-283-8100. Text GATE to 283-8100. The 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions, the Gate 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. One more comment, and then I want to get off of it because I'm just so fed up with it. I, I, I just... I just... I talk about it a lot because I hear all these stupid, what I think are stupid comments by people, and so I just, I just have to address it. I, 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 I'm just so sick of just having to go over this over and over again. But it, it's just how it is. But one other point I want to make: I hear that it's because the Saints are a small market team. You see, I think in the NBA that matters. I think in baseball, it really matters. Like baseball, 
they care way more about the Yankees. And that's why I talk about ESPN divisions. I mean, if you really believe Major League Baseball treats all its teams equally, then you're just fooling yourself. But but I, I don't really think that's as much the market size matters, I think, in the NFL. But I, I don't think it matters. as The NFL is not set up that way. I, 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 just, I just don't buy the market size for, for the NFL. That is much of an argument as I do in in, in, in baseball, but uh, I guess we'll never really know the total real truth on all that. By the way, it is um, it is Tuesday, and so I was going to give you the uh, the updates of our um, our QW study, um, but and also the remember the game hotline is seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. If you would like to get in. Uh, it was pointed out to me, and, and my fault, that I was one game off last week. My The numbers didn't add up. And I went back and re-added, and apparently what I did is just not uh, – I, I didn't add the Monday night game to the to the thing. But I started from scratch last week and did it. So last week's total was um, – let's see. I wrote it down here. Last week's total was actually – um, five, four, and seven. Five, four, and six didn't add up to the to sixteen games. It only added up to fifteen games. So it was actually five, four, and seven. So coming into this week, the the totals were seventeen games were won so far this year by the the superior quarterback. Now the way I'm doing this, and again we could debate the details is I caught them in three classes I got the the upper third the elite class the middle third pretty good but not quite elite class and then the bottom third quarterbacks that you kind of consider towards the bottom so um coming in the, the 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 totals were 17 14 and 17 and 17 the third total is if when when two quarterbacks meet that are on the same in the same class, which happens way too often. Last week, it wasn't as bad. This week, it's kind of bad. Um, there were actually eight of them. Half the games were play two quarterbacks that you would put in the same little quadrant there. Well, actually, whatever the third thing is, not a quad. But uh, And so of the remaining eight, five times the quarterback in the higher level, the higher tier won, and three times the quarterback on the lower tier one. So the totals through uh, four weeks, 22 wins for the um, for the superior quarterback, 17 wins for the inferior quarterback, and 25 where it was quarterbacks about on the same level. And so um, not still not overwhelming, but the QWs have a slight, you know, a little bit of a lead, but I, I would say just a little bit of a lead. Not an overwhelming thing. By the way, am I getting a major person in show business? I, I think I'm getting a text here that made it seem like Loretta Lynn died. I don't know if that's true, and she's kind of older, and we're not a country music station, but she's one of those stars that I think she was a bigger star for my taste, bigger star than the quality of her music show, but... She was certainly uh, a very, very, very famous name in, in country music. So just wanted to mention that, if it's true. But I think it is. 
All right. Um, again, in the second hour, we're going to be doing a lot of interviews. We're going to interview Cody Juno, kind of talk about Cajun football. You know, Coach Dez yesterday was calling it a bye week. I I guess he's te- it's an open date on Saturday for sure. So I guess that's technically a bye week. But again, you play in the middle of next week, so I don't know. It, a bye week seems like, yeah, I'm seeing verification of that is true. She was 90 years old. Um, it is. It seemed to me that I don't know. Bye week to me is when you're off two straight weeks. But I guess I'm splitting hairs here. Um, so we'll be talking with Cody about. What do you know? The South Alabama game, like what? What do we take it from from that? And and where where are the Cajuns through five games with seven to go? Not halfway through, but just a you know one game away from being halfway through. And so we'll see um, how that plays out. And then we'll be talking with Michael Schwab um, of the Juice Box Journal. And look, we've got two games left in the regular season. And then the playoffs begin Friday. Now, the Astros won't be competing on Friday because they'll get, because they're the number one seed, they'll get a little bit of a break there. But uh, the postseason baseball starts Friday. Now, there are many of you who, you don't really love baseball, but you're okay with it. And you don't follow it too often during the regular season, kind of like the NBA is with me. And so, but you'll follow or watch playoff games because of the drama of it and the importance of it from a, um, the game, the significance of the game meaning. And so I get that. And so that that starts on Friday. And so we'll get Michael's opinion about where the Astros are heading in to the postseason. Got lots of issues to discuss there. All right, we'll take a timeout, finish out the first hour on the other side, and then we'll get to hour number two on this. I'm just I'm like I said yesterday I was in grief today I'm just angry tired of all the incorrect statements and tired of like can we just can we just get to the point where we don't have made up calls on third down in the second half of games and in the fourth quarter of games that just give the other team a touchdown can we just get to that level can I just is it really that much to ask really We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, Astros, game 161, the second penultimate. What a great word. We don't use that enough. The penultimate game of the Astros regular season against the Phillies. They got shut out last night. Scored. They didn't score any runs. And uh, for the second time in, what, four days, they a team celebrated on their field. Not that it was angst because the Astros weren't the loser. A lot of times when a team celebrates your field, it's because you lost a playoff series or something. And so it's kind of agonizing. But the Astros, even I, from what I told, and I don't know, they might have done it again last night. They actually congratulated the Rays when they celebrated on their field on, on, on the scoreboard, and they might have done it with the Phillies last night. You know, it's f- kind of ironic the way that works because there's a lot of connections with the Astros and the Rays with, with the G- Astros' general manager being with the Rays, and then there's some connections with the Phillies because Cal- Todd Callis, you know, he grew up 
Early on in his in his life as a kid, his dad, was, Harry, was the announcer for the Astros. But for most of Harry's career, he was the Phillies announcer. So they don't exactly hate the Phillies, even though because of 1980, I still kind of do. Um, and so we'll see what happens there. But you can hear that penultimate game in the Astros regular season against the Phillies. Justin Verlander's pitching, and, you know, maybe he's already, I don't even know if they already voted or about to vote and one going to, you know, win to Cy Young. And, and uh, if there's any doubt, maybe he can slam that home tonight. We'll see. Um, and he will pitch against the Phillies. Ranger Suarez, what a great name. Ranger Suarez is pitching for the Phillies tonight, and you can hear that game right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. So, again, we'll be speaking Astro baseball at about 1035-ish. In the next hour with Michael Schwab of the Jukes Box Journal. Lots of things to discuss, including the catchers and needing to catch, catch the baseball. No runs scored on pass balls. And wild pitches that should be stopped. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. I'm back to footnotes or into footnotes, depending on which category you fall in. Kevin Foote on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, this is the last time to get in today's show. Uh, on the air because, again, we'll be talking Cajun football in the next segment with Cody Juno and then Astros baseball with Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal after that. So, um, need to get my mind off of the NFL. So that's a good, that's a good, that's a good place to, uh, to, to start or NASCAR as we call the NFL on this show. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. So we've got, we mentioned the baseball scenario. There's not a lot of drama left. The Brewers got eliminated last night. Uh, that that That's an agonizing situation to be in. The Astros have been there before. Um, where you play a game and then you go into the clubhouse and you watch... Um, other game and your 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 fate is based on whether the other team wins or not. Now it's not so bad if you're just watching to see if you're going to clinch or not. You know, I remember one year they they showed the Astros. They were watching. They played a game and then they were watching this. You know, this the other this other game involving whoever was in second place and they needed that team to win. And it's not like your season's over if the team you're rooting for doesn't win. You just, you know, you just postpone the opportunity to clinch until the next day. You know, that's um, that's not so bad. 
but kind of like the Saints were last year. The Saints won on that last day, game of the year, and then they were watching, and then they needed a certain team to win. Was it the was it the last night's Monday night game? I think it was the Rams and the Cheaters, and they needed the right team to win. I think that was the matchup, and they and and it looked like the team was going to win, and then at the very end they didn't, and then you know you you, you watch your season end. That is torture. So that's kind of what the Brewers were doing last night. The Brewers had this big comeback. There was an error, and they were able to score and tie the game, and then they won it, and then they needed the Astros to win, and the Astros didn't score a run. I mean, it's just, you know, when when you played 160 games, you know, and Craig Council said it last night, we just didn't win enough games. All the games count. No question. Um you know, we tend to not put as much emphasis on April baseball as we do on September baseball. But the more games, obviously, that you win in April and May, that's fewer games you need to win in September to get in. You know, it dep- depend. You know, there's so many factors that go into baseball. And and, and the manager of the of the Brace said it yesterday. He's like. You know, there's so much that goes into whether you win or lose a baseball game. Is to, to just assume that it's going to happen, it's just silly. You know, he didn't use that word silly, but it is. I mean, he was just saying there's so you don't just throw your glove out there and you win a game. I mean, there's so many things you got to do well to win a game, or at least do pretty good to win a game. And so, um, We'll see. It, I, I I just, if the Braves, I don't know. I mean, I would think the Braves would win tonight, but who knows? If they lose tonight, it's just going to get interesting unless the Mets just lose because the Mets have a doubleheader schedule with more rain in the forecast. It'd be kind of funny to go down that last day, and I just, and, and if they would get more rain tomorrow, like, I think they would have to seriously consider just moving the game to, What's the closest dome stadium or to some place in the area that has zero weather and, you know, rain in the forecast or just move it to, I don't know. I don't even know what the closest dome stadium is. Or they could just move it to some place where it's not going to rain. Of course, you know how that goes sometime. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, good morning. Oh, Manny. Okay, Kevin. Listen, I, I don't want to pull you back in, but I got three things I want. I want to. I'm gonna drop on you real quick. Number one, the NFL. And I give you a perfect example of them not caring about fair play. The play clock going to zero. Okay, in a multi-billion-dollar industry, you don't think that there's some kind of way that there's a buzzer or a some kind of electronic way that they can let the guy who's in charge know that the play clock went to zero, okay? I'm watching the Patriots and uh, Green Bay the other day. Play clock goes to zero, clicks back on to 40. They still haven't snapped the ball. They snap the ball and throw a touchdown pass. And then Gene Sheraton or uh, Van Dumbo or whoever it was comes on and says, well, uh, you know, the – Back judge has to be zero, look down, see if the ball is snapped, and then blow his whistle and throw his flag. Are you kidding me? 
Well, all you got to do is have someone, all you got to do is have an official in the press box. And when it goes to zero, if they miss the call, they buzz the guy and they change the, and they enforce the penalty. Again, all you got to do is have a system to protect teams from getting cheated. Correct. And if you don't have that system, that means you don't care about teams getting cheated and you are a cheater. That's what that means. Right. Yeah. Okay, and it, okay, here's my next thing. Here's the thing that irks me the most of things that people say. And it's always a team that wins now, and it's always a team that the call wasn't blown. I heard a couple people call you yesterday. Oh, well, Kevin, you win the game. You, gotta, you, can, you still have a chance to win the game. It's an ignorant statement. Don't, don't worry about the call. Listen, dude, are you watching the game? Do you understand that the touchdown does not occur? If that made-up, fictitious call that nobody saw because it didn't happen, if that call is never made, then the touchdown never occurs. And so, you know, you know they started that in 2018. Well, y'all can't win the game. We won the game. It's just the silliest thing. Again, uh, the, the, well, again, the thing that pe- the people say that uh, – could you have made more plays to win? Yeah, but what they don't understand is when it's not Mamu versus John Curtis and you have two teams that are on the same play on the same page, it's even. Like the play that you didn't make, the other team's trying to stop you. Like there is no adversary to make to making up a call out of the blue. If you don't see something on third down, what are you throwing a flag for? Exactly. I'm telling you, I watched it 20 There times. is no I adversary. He thinks when he jammed Jefferson's shoulder, Jefferson's hand flew up and it went next to his face mask. And that is what, because initially my sister said, oh, yeah, I saw him. He hit his face mask. So I said, no, watch again. I said, oh, no, that's Jefferson's hand that goes by his face mask. There's nobody. There's no hands to the head. Exactly, exactly. Okay, one more thing, Kevin, to your point about the ESPN Baseball League. This is what a cat said the other day. After the Astros won game 102 or 103, oh, man, the Astros have quietly put together a great season, 103 wins. And I thought to myself, yeah, it's quiet because y'all don't cover them. Because you, you don't care. Because baseball does it. All they care about is the Yankees and the Red Sox. That's quietly, it. Quietly, Kevin. They've quietly put it together a great yeah, season. Yeah, they quietly done wins. it. Well, no kidding. It's very quiet when you never cover them, <laughs> of course. All right, Kevin. Listen, y'all have a great day. All right. And, again, I don't care about all that coverage stuff. But, again, it, it leads to the – and the point of all this is just to open people's eyes to get them out of this denial stage. I mean, it's just amazing how many people, they're just in denial. Look, just all we're asking is don't be in denial. Stop lying to yourself. And let's let's everyone say, let's do something about it. Let's correct it. Let's come up with a system that can correct it. It's not that complicated. It's really not that complicated. Just fix it. I mean, if we can fix targeting calls in college football, how come we can't fix you didn't you didn't get the clock, the snap off in time in the NFL? Just have someone to fix it. You got to have a fail safe. I think you know what I think. Remember that old movie? 
it, I think it was called Failsafe. It was an old black and white movie. And all you and it was it was when we start to worry about nuclear war and all. You got to have a failsafe. If a guy botches a call, you just correct it. You got to have a failsafe. If you don't, then you're okay with cheating. There is it, it, that's black and white. There is no there is no yeah but no. You either have a system to prevent to attempt fairness or you don't. And if you don't, then you're fine with teams getting cheated. That makes you a cheater. Period. All right, one more, then we got to take a timeout and get to Cody. Hello. So what happened with the Brewers? So the Brewers were eliminated because the Astros didn't win? They were officially eliminated because the Astros lost to the Phillies, yes. Okay, you think uh, the Astros lost because they made them play in Milwaukee? Because <laughs> they made well, them play in Milwaukee? No, that, that was a long time ago. These Astro players don't even know about that. Why not? Hey, hey they could win. <laughs> You just never know, man. Someone could have. Well, you know, I guess you do never know for sure, yeah. But I don't. I don't think that's on their minds. Also, I think you're in denial. I, I think that when are you going to realize that it's not meant for them to fix it? They don't want to fix it. Like when are you going to realize that that what you see is what you get? No, what they don't want to fix it. You're right. But, but, but why though? Tell yourself though. Hey, man. That's, hey, man. You know. You know what? I don't know if Kyle called yesterday. I'm not talking about that Ravens fan, Kyle. I'm talking about Kyle. Did he call yesterday? No, sir. It's like I heard him call on the, across the tracks, right, on another station. And, you know, the host was kind of upset with him. But, man, hey, man, we're not really listening to people that can – you know, I used to talk a lot. I kind of got away – I mean, I still think this way, but I don't really anymore. But I, you, I, <laughs> I'm not going to fool myself. I'm not – my eyes see what it, what it sees. You know what I'm saying? There's not, there's not illusions or whatever that you want to put out there. But I think that we're in denial. Until we see that this is rigged and it, it, it goes where it goes, this is nothing but wrestling. And, you know, people say, oh, why you watch it? Oh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say why I watch it. I, I do watch it for one particular reason. But it, it makes it easier to walk away from it, to be honest with you, man. It's just, it's just too much fantasy. And that's what it is, fantasy. Fantasy football, which I hate. Gambling, which I respect, you know. But I hate all of it, man. And it's easy to walk away because it's not meant for them to fix it. We We see what we... We see what we see, and like you said, some people in denial, and I think that as a whole about what we're seeing as sports fans. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back. Cody Juno, Cajun football, next on the game. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you, if you would like to go face one of your worst nightmares in the 13th Gate giveaway, you could win VIP tickets to the legendary Haunted House simply by registering at the Game Rewards Club. If you do, you will win two tickets. You might win two tickets to the VIP for the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The old, the old cliche, Mr. Cody, was it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. That's kind of how I feel as a Saints-Astro fan right now. 
couple times because if there if there is in 2022, I've missed it so far. Is there a what now? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you at the very beginning. I, I said I said there's been a best of times thus far in 2022. Well, I mean the Astros if, if, if are the number is. one seed. They've done pretty well. They've had a pretty good okay. season. All right. I mean, you mentioned the Saints and Cajuns, though. So. Oh, um, and then I said it wrong. I meant I meant the Astros and the and the Saints. Yeah, I, I said yeah. it wrong. I'm sorry. Anyway, all right. Let's get to the. Uh, there's so many different ways to look at this Cajun thing, and it hit me when I, I do this thing at the Advocate uh, that we do the like three takeaways, or however you know three takeaways, and one of my takeaways right at, shortly after. Saturday's loss to South Alabama was it, it's funny how we look at things because last year the Cajuns uh, beat ULM at home 21-16 this year theoretically I think I think ULM's a little better than they were last year but roughly about the same they played maybe a little better ULM team on the road and lost 21-17 and because they gave him a, you know, they had a snafu on a snap and they gave him an eight-yard touchdown and they lost 21-17 after beating them 21-16 last year. Well, last year, they went to South Alabama. The kicker missed the kick and they won 20-18. to Well, this year, they're playing a way better South Alabama team at home and the guy makes the kick this time and they lose 20-17. to So while it seems like to so many people, that did, last year's team is just way better than this year's team, really is you're like one play in two games from having the same record. Yeah, that is uh, that is certainly one way to look at it. The yeah. problem with that is, uh, well, the Cajuns lost them in a row this year, right? And, and you found a way to, to win a season ago. And then, you know, a game in which everybody counts them out, right? I think 9 to 11-point underdog, depending on, on where you got it. And you find yourself with an opportunity to win the contest, and you just can't manage to get it done. And you know, for me, we've talked about it. Des has certainly talked about it. And you know, talking to him post game on, on Saturday, broken record, right? You can't keep asking a defense to bail you out. And it's just this offense right now has an inability to put anybody away and consistently put anything together. And so that's they're going to have to do some deep, you know, soul searching to try to figure that part out. Um, you know, and I'll have a few extra days before Marshall next Wednesday. But now all of a sudden, you know, the running game that was starting to come alive, well, not only is Chris Smith hurt, and we don't know the stats of him, but remember, Jake Kubote didn't play much in that second half. Yeah, he, he played like one or two plays, and he was out. Right? I mean, he had one total carry in, in the contest. So, you know, now all of a sudden the run game that was starting to come around, uh-oh, uh, from, from an injury standpoint, we don't know Chandler's status. Um, and look, the reality is anytime you throw the ball 36 times and you complete 22 of them and you do it for a grand total of 115 yards, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Right. I think the Cajuns have gone six or seven quarters without a touchdown, uh, offensively. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things the offense has got to get humming and defensively. I mean, shoot, just stay the course, right? Like stay the course. It's, it's been there. And I think that, you know, is what makes where this Cajun bunch is through five games so disappointing um, because I do think, I think you throw the, the rice game out, right? Like that was just bad from start to finish, but Monroe and South Alabama, you know, I mean, you make again one or two more plays here or there and you're two and oh, in the Sunbelt West. 
And now, unfortunately, you know, it's going to take a whole bunch of help, but you're all but eliminated from the Western Division race uh, on the fourth day of October. Uh, absolutely. All right. <clears throat> I, though, I got to tell you, I, I I did not. They wait. They The Cajuns performed better than I thought they would against South Alabama. And what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the offense. The offense still it, did not play well, although they had – Look, they had two fourth-quarter drives, and they had, like, two other drives that were fine if you can make a field goal. Like, I mean, this idea that you just – you just got to better make field goals. But but, um, but, um, but I'm talking about on the line of scrimmage. Like, they, they stopped the run way better than I thought. Didn't you think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you kind of broke up there. No, What's I that? said, don't you think they stopped the run way better than you thought? I I thought I did not expect the game to be that competitive on the line of scrimmage. Oh, I'm 100% with you, right? Uh, you know, Webb comes into Saturday kind of you know, transfer from Florida State. He's really been their offensive uh, guy. They give it to him 22 times. He, he 75 yards, right? 3.4 average. And, you know, and, and we saw the defensive line really play well. You've got uh, Dalvin Hutchinson back. And we found out that Marcus Weiser is going to be down for the year some NCAA issues, and then, you know, take that a step further, and Mason Arcees gets kicked out, gets ejected. Uh, and so, again, they just it, – it's just that they can't all put it together, right? As good as they play, you have that penalty, the guy gets ejected, now you're going to lose him for the first half at Marshall. And, and, and so, um, you know, it, it, Cajuns just haven't been able to put things together, play in and play out 11 on 11 and eliminate, you know, the silly penalties – but, yes, I thought the offensive line did a much better job, right, after being challenged after a abysmal performance at ULM when it came to running the football. You know, they ran the ball much better. I also thought that the Cajun play calling was a little bit different, right? Didn't try to slam things up the middle. Now, was that because they were going to maybe the strength of the Cajun offensive line or away from the strength of the South Alabama defensive front? We'll have to figure that out. Uh, but I thought they were able to get some zone concepts to the outside. And then the other thing we saw, too, Kevin – was an emphasis on the quarterback carrying the football just enough to keep you honest. Yeah, and I think we saw that at Monroe a little bit more than the first. I think that started going into the Monroe week, and I think he carried over to this week where the – yes. And, and and look, Ben Woolrich showed he's capable of running a little bit. Um, and, and look, he might be the quarterback at Marshall. And well, so I mean, I think unless I, something changes, yeah. I, I would think uh, that I, I would think that would that running here and there would continue. I, I mean, I agree with you, right? I think it opened up some things, and again, we'll, we'll learn more about the injury situations to Smith and Cabote as we, as we move forward. But it's going to create an opportunity for Terrence Williams, um, you know, and, and Draylon Washington. All right, so we've been talking about it for two or three years, and. This whole idea of how many wide receivers do you play in your mind? Because the offense is still struggling to get any kind of consistency at all, doesn't that almost make it even more important to reduce the amount of receivers you play? Or, or am I looking at this wrong? Well, I would say yes if those receivers were constantly making plays, and maybe that's an argument to play less. But the, again, you get the great highlight reel catch, you get the contested catch. And then you get the slant that's critical to pick up a, a third down or make it, you know, second and third and short, right? And those are dropped. And there's just been inconsistency. So, to me, right, that entire group 
uh, through five games has underperformed. When we thought, you know, coming in, we thought coming into the season, right, that's one of the more talented and, and deeper positions on the roster. And they, they have not carried up their end of the bargain to date yet, consistently making plays, right? I mean, Chris Smith led the team in receptions on Saturday with five for a grand total of 16 yards. You know, Peter LeBlanc, Michael Jefferson, Earl Rogers Jr. each had three for 23, 21, and 20 yards. It's just not going to get it done. You factor in a couple drops in there, right? I mean, Michael Jefferson had eight targets. Earl Rogers had six. You know, Peter caught all three balls that were, were thrown to him. There's just got to be better balls put on them, more, you know, more consistently. And, and, and those guys just got to make catches. They, they just have to catch the football. So, to me... No, keep playing them until somebody maybe gets a hot hand, or maybe you know I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you do lessen them, stop rotating them as much, and kind of almost force that right, force feed it in, in that sort of sense. Um, you know, Lance LeJean did get some playing time later in the game. I think he's too good of an athlete not to find a way to to get him the ball, and I'm excited to see how they they incorporate him in the fold moving forward, which again adds to another <laughs> player at that position. But you know, Cody, I fooled myself again. I've been a tight end guy for a long time, and. Uh... I really thought Neil Johnson was going to have this breakthrough season, and he, and 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 it, it's just not going to happen. He, he, he it's just not going to happen. Well, again, but you know, I don't know that there's been a concerted effort to really get him the ball right now. He plays that different tight end position <laughs> than Johnny Lumpkin. Um, you know, he and he, he and Pierce Meagle are, are more of the similar uh, position type, and so, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I don't have an answer for you, my friend, right? Because because Meagle had the touchdown. But he had just three targets, right? Yeah, I mean, it, there, there is yards. nothing. To, there's nothing to analyze there. It's just not going to happen. Once again, the tight end. There, there's not going to be any tight end that's going to make any appreciable impact. And it's just, it's just, it is what it is, as as, well, as they say. Well, look, and, 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 and you know, after watching five games here, especially in the first half Saturday, here's what I saw. Okay, coming in, the inability to run the football, so they're already stacking folks up. The Cajuns have proven that they, they're not going to be able to take the top off the defense. So, the you know, the, the secondary is just clogging the middle of the field, right? I mean, that, that 10 to 12, 15-yard window is just full of people because the Cajuns, they're not afraid of the Cajuns beating them over the top, and they're, they're not respecting the run still enough. And so it's going to be tough sledding, you know, any it, for anybody. Uh, but a lot of, but that's a lot of where the tight ends do their do their dirty work, so to say. The other thing that is worrisome, um, you know, so many injuries are worrisome. Like David Hudson went down, but he was replaced by Landon Burton, who had he not gotten hurt, he probably would have been the starter to begin with. And Hudson would have probably been playing guard, I think, or at least in a guard rotation. I mean, and I'm we just saw guessing. Play a little bit of guard with Burton in there before he got hurt. So. You know, well, I, I think they might be okay there. We'll see how that plays out. But um, And so injuries are a major concern. My other concern moving forward is, and we've made this comment before, but I, I just think everybody else in the Sunbelt West has gotten better. Like Arkansas State, to my original point, Arkansas State hasn't won many games the last few years. Last year's team with the five-year starting quarterback that went 13-1, and that was ranked nationally, it took an historic, like, 75-play, 10-minute drive to beat Arkansas State by one point. Mm -hmm. And Arkansas State's better this year. Like, they're, they're showing signs they might be quite a bit better. 
That's that again. I, I just think I think. Look, I understand everyone's criticism and concern, but I think a lot of people are missing the boat about the big picture of last season and this season. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I actually was talking with somebody in the Sun Belt Conference this morning at another school, and um, you know, kind of we were talking about the Cajun woes and, and whatnot, and. You know, I think you go up and down the schedule, right? There's a case to be made that the Cajuns could somehow still manage to get to six, maybe even seven wins, right? And then on the other hand, there's a case to be made that they end up with, well, two or three, right? And and the last point that was made in the conversation was, it's because the league, you better bring it week in and week out. It's just so much better, you know, top to bottom that that's the reality. If, if you're off just a smidge, right, again, both games, two very different opponents, but the Cajuns off just enough, and you're now 0-2, uh, you know, after losses at Monroe and, and then, you know, Saturday at Cajun Field South out. It is, um, it is, it is scary, and yet you just hope that the offense can get closer. Uh, again, the offensive line gave me some hope in how they performed against South Alabama. I, I think that was a hopeful situation, and you got to hope somehow the, the um, – well, I think what you need to hope is that the offense figures it out sooner than later before too much of a burden gets put on the defense, right? I'm afraid that we're going to head into a situation that baseball found itself in a couple of years ago, right? Where either the pitching is rock solid, but there's no offense, or you're scoring a bunch of runs and there's no pitching, right? And the two never really seem to go hand in hand in the 2021 season, right? Um, and, and so, like, that's what I'm afraid of is that if the offense can't figure this out soon enough, that defense is going to have a – I mean, they've been on the field a bunch as it is, right? And yes. So, can they can they hold up through the rest of the season? Remember, I mean, there's still seven games to go. And, and, and also the other factor is if the offense doesn't figure out real soon, then injuries are starting to multiply a little more. And then that becomes more of an issue in addition to the defense getting worn out. And then it might not matter as much if your offense figures it out if you get too much of those two areas. So you're, you're correct about that. Oh, man. Between the Saints and the Cajuns, just way too many comparisons and way too much frustration and heartache. But that's just, I guess that's what we sign up for. So. All righty, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, next, uh, I guess we'll, we'll we'll talk again. I guess we'll talk next week. It'll be the day before a game, so it'll be kind of strange. This Marshall rematch could be very interesting, and and uh, you know, I don't I don't know how good Marshall or the Cajuns are right now, so it's just, it could be an interesting contest. I agree with you, my friend. Yeah, we'll we'll have time to uh, to talk next next Tuesday morning before we hop on the bird for the first time. You know, how about that? It's going to be the middle of October before we take a first flight trip. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Cody. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you next week. See you, bud. We'll take a timeout. We'll shift gears. Michael Schwab at a Juice Box Journal. Talk Astros baseball next on the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on uh, the game. We have with us Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal. How are you, sir? Kevin, I'm doing great. Got two more games left, and this time 
next week. We've got the ALDS it's, in Houston. It, 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 it is finally here. Again, let's do what we did last week. Before I forget and get too caught up, let people <laughs> know if they want to find out how to get your daily information. How do they do it? <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. So they find me on Twitter. Michael Schwab 13 is my handle. Uh, 13 because there's 12, 12 other cool Michaels ahead of me. And then you can subscribe to my newsletter if you look at my profile. This is Juicebox Journal. Just click subscribe. Put your email in there, and I'll get you all the good info you need about the Astros. All right. I, I don't know. We're not going to have enough time to do a full delve into this question, but it, it's crazy. <clears throat> the Astros are the number one seed. We're about to go into the playoffs. A lot of people are picking them to go to the World Series, and we keep reading these stories about how the general manager and the manager hate each other, and they don't get along, or the owner, and, and one of them's going to get fired, and cl- and they're already talking about uh, other candidates to, to take over as the new general manager. Like, what do you make of all that? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what I know, because I've talked to some people close to the situation, Kevin, and uh, I've been kind of following this for a while. My understanding of the whole thing is that you know, Click came in in 2020 because Crane needed a GM because he had to hire, he had to fire Lunau and he had to fire Hinch as the manager. Well, Dusty was the one to take over to lead this team through what they were dealing with, and they tried with Click to see if they could get a good player development guy who'd been with Tampa forever. The worries about Click, uh, about being a Tampa guy, which Tampa for the most part doesn't like to spend big, they like to build up, has kind of come true a little bit. And this is my understanding about. The biggest dialogue between Jim Crane and James Click all has to do about how are we building up this team? How are we making a major league roster? And my understanding is just Crane is just not as impressed as he liked to have been. He liked to be more aggressive. He's been willing to spend. Uh, it seems like Click has been more of a build the farm up and let's see what happens approach, which has helped in the draft. But what my, my take is that when you look at this roster, and let's look at it from a 26-man, not 28. 20 of these players came to the Astros originally through Jeff Lunau through a trade, through uh, international signing, or free agency, or the draft. So this still is Lunau's team that we're seeing and doing well. Uh, are they able to produce further down the road? That's what you have to find out with James Click over time. But Jim Crane wants things now. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing. And, and if this, this is a distraction, I'm going to say no, because this team, the game, the guys that go on the field, they don't care. They just go out and perform. So that's how I see it. All right, we talked about this maybe the last time we talked, and it happened again the last time Verlander pitched. Pass balls, and and it had gotten a little better before that, but that I mean again, that everything looks great for the Astros. But if I'm going to be nitpicky about one of the things that I'm worried about in a close game, the ball, the catchers have got to block balls and not let them get by them. I agree, and it's hard when you look at the the leader in pass balls is Martin Maldonado, uh, but also there's he's had 31 wild pitches, so. You know, he, his numbers are always going to be higher because he catches most games. But I think when a pass ball happens, a lot of that is just a couple different things. The one leg down, uh, miscommunication. The biggest thing I could say that it might be is this pitch con and not being on the same page with this new system. Uh, these are all the things that happen, but it's worrisome. It's worrisome, especially when every run counts and everything counts particularly. Um, 
So is it going to get better in the playoffs? It's impossible to know. The ratio is so high, and Vasquez has three pass balls. Uh, I want to believe that they'll get it in gear, uh, especially when you know which pitchers are going to be going. But it is, it's worrisome for sure. All right, Framber Valdez. See, I'm a big odds guy. I have terms like medicine season and the Piper, and, and like you, you, you see it. When, if you remember, I think it was July, Bregman had this unbelievable month, and then the next month he struggled just to get a base hit. Same thing with, uh, maybe I'm reversing the month, same thing with El Pedro Grande Alvarez had this unbelievable month, and then he struggled for weeks to have a base hit. I don't think those things are coincidence. I, I, I've seen it happen so often. When you when you do something historic or do go on this long stretch, there's nowhere to go but down for a while the question is how long now he's gotten lit Framber Valdez since he broke the record for consecutive quality quality starts in a row twice is that enough or is that going to stop you know I'm a little bit of a concern about that yeah I mean you look at the law of averages and you look at how trends happen now the one thing I will say is that for the season 30 games started 26 of them were quality starts, which a quality start is six innings pitched at least and no more than three runs scored. So he broke the record with 25 consecutive quality starts for all of Major League Baseball. It's an unbelievable thing. Um, His past two games, he's got an ERA of uh, 8.44. And this is in 10 innings. He's got one loss. Uh, it's, it is hard to see him not do as well as he did. And, and what we've known about Fromber from the bat in the, in the past is that he gets in his head. He's got the nasty work, but if he gets in his head and he gets, you know, uh, distracted or anything's on his mind, it's going to see that. So I, he did okay in the playoffs and he did incredible in the ALCS in that one game. Are we going to see the Framber who can go out and get every single out like we did this year? Or are we going to see a back-and-forth Jekyll and Hyde? I don't know that. But I want to believe that he's got the wherewithal and he's a different player than years before that get through the season, be done with it. His last game is tomorrow of the season. Uh, and then just get to the postseason and be a different brain. And, and the thing that we have to remember, no matter how many records you break, no matter how well this team does during the, the regular season, this team during the postseason is a special team. And, uh, you know, I'm, everyone's always nervous when they go to play, but I think they're still going to show that they are the Astros of old who do great no matter what. All right, Pena, you know, I think we talked about it earlier. I can still remember El Pedro Grande's first postseason and he struck out almost every at bat and he looked like a fish out of water and he's not the first rookie or the first guy young player who just didn't handle their first postseason very well and subsequent postseason Mm -hmm. he actually did great so Pena started out a ball of fire and was kind of struggling mightily during the middle but he's I kind of like what he's done offensively so do you think he's gonna have one of these disaster postseasons at the plate or do you kind of see what how he's batted recently that he might do pretty well. Well, on the season, he's hitting 250, but in September slash October, he's 270. He's got five home runs, 21 on the season, which is, uh, I think there's only five rookies that have ever hit over 20 home runs for the Astros, and he's one of them. Uh, His defense has been strong. He leads all shortstops in 
defensive runs saved, but he's still a rookie. Uh, and, and so I think the biggest thing to, to realize is that we've never seen Jerry Pena in the postseason for the Astros. Now, we have seen him in the, uh, the Dominican Republic Winter League postseason. He's gone to the finals and done incredibly there. And, and um, Carlos Correa, former Astro, who I know very well, told me when Jeremy Pena was coming up, he said, you watch him because he's the real deal. And he said, from a bat perspective, we don't know. But from a glove, he's got it, and he's got an aptitude and leadership that we need. So, you know, when you get Carlos Correa saying that you're a good player, then he's going to be good. So I think for Jeremy, you know, for he's been doing well of late. We hope this continues into the postseason. It doesn't get to his head. Dusty talked about the fact that he's laying off you know, sliders and change-ups and hitting fastballs, and that's all he needs to do, and just do the glove work well. If he hits 270 in the playoffs, it's better than you could ever imagine. Uh, and we know how Correa did in the 2015 playoffs with his rookie year. He had some big hits, but also had a big play that he missed. So, uh, I, you know, rookies, you can never – fully put your uh, weight upon what will they do in the postseason. But I, we've got a good, good track record so far on how he's heating up that he'll continue that way. All right. Between Maton and, and Smith and Urquidy, who's suddenly struggling again, and Garcia, who's going to make the playoff roster and who isn't, you think? Well, I think what's hard to see is Urquidy – Last night got lit up pretty big, uh, and he's got great postseason experience. But it, it, it's going to be between Garcia and Urquidy to be left off the LDS. And the only reasoning because of that is because of the schedule. It's a five-game series. It's a weird one where you got a game, game off, a game on, and then games in a row where you really only need four pitchers. And they'll have to decide between Luis Garcia and Urquidy to go to the bullpen and – I don't think Urquidy's ever really been strong in the bullpen. He's a great starter when he takes enough time to get ready for it. And I think he's a great postseason starter as well. Uh, Garcia's also really hot right now. And, and in regard to the stuff he has, um, he's got great swing and miss stuff that you need from relievers. So I think you've got Garcia who's going to make it. In regard to your four starters, maybe they only need three. It's going to go Verlander, McCullers, Ramber, and then, and then Javier who's been out of his mind. So that's what, it, to me, is, is your pitching staff. It's one of the greatest strengths on this team. It's breaking records for the team. The lineup, that scares me. That is what scares me the most. Are they going to hit well in the postseason? We'll see. But they are going to pitch well. Yeah, and once again last night, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but, you know, scoring zero runs again last night, I mean, the offense actually in September's done better than I expected it to do down the stretch, but – you still get these games that are that are that are very worrisome sometimes, as well. I guess. Look, we talk. I guess where they're going to trust Abreu. Uh, I want my my youngest daughter's a big Astro fan, and I looked at her. I'm like, do you trust Abreu in the postseason? And she said no. And I said, I sure hope that they pitch him at a big spot. He comes through because I still don't know. I, you know, it, we all have shell shock over Brian Abreu, but. You know, honestly, he's a different pitcher this year. He's finally figured out how to get his walks in gear. He's getting swings and misses. He's getting strikeouts. He has a high strikeout percentage. So I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful 
that this is a different Abreu and that when he's in situations where they've tested him this year many times in high-leverage situations, he's shown up. So they're going to trust him. I think they're going to trust Abreu more than a Maton. And those are the two right there who's who gets to, to start first over each other in, in the bullpen. Is it going to be Maton or is it going to be Abreu? I think they're going to go Abreu because of what he can do. And they want a 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Right, right. That's what they want from their relievers. All right. So the fo- we've been waiting for it. It is here. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Michael Schwab of the Jukes Box Journal. He does a great job. So if you are an Astro fan, you definitely need to follow him. We'll take a timeout and come back, finish out today's show next on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game again. The Game Clubhouse. If you have not joined, what are you waiting for? It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where it puts you eligible for all kinds of prizes as well as our normal offers like $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All you can't win unless you join the game clubhouse. So do so today. No, it, it's, um, you know, Will Smith, I think, is done pretty well. When they made the trade in late July for him, traded older Rizzi, you know, a lot of Brave fans laughed. And he's mostly done his job. Uh, I don't think they're anywhere near, you know, like closing with them or anything. I think he'll come in and pitch to his three batters or maybe his one left-hander to finish an inning kind of thing. Um, I don't think he's pitched poorly since he's been in Houston, but I don't trust him. And I understand that he's got a good history in the postseason, which might play, might play out. But I just think he's not the pitcher that he was then. So I, I don't know how much that carries over. I, look, the bullpen has been fabulous. It, there was a stretch in August where it was really bad. But it, I, I think almost any team, any part of a team, starters, defense, um, all of that, uh, it, they're going to have stretches during a 162-game season where you struggle, where you go through a really rough patch. And the bullpen did. But other than that really rough patch in September, I'm talking in August, the defense has been fabulous. The relief pitching has been fabulous. And so um, we'll see. It's just postseason is just so different. You can win 104, 104. Five games and then you get beat. It's just sickening. Sickening. Boy, I need the Astros to do well after all this Saints stuff. Just please. That'll do it. Y'all have a nice day.